1: Here on the Shepherd Radio Network, in the studio with me, my longtime friend of 30 years, John Stimberger, back again. Welcome, John. Good to be with you, Mike. You know, you and I go way, way, way back, much younger. Uh, You've got all your hair. I don't. It's not (laughs) fair. Just want to say that up front. But uh, my goodness, it's really great to have you up here and to kind of get your take on really a lot of things that are going on. Uh, you're you live in one of those worlds, John. Where there's a lot. There's <laughs> every day you get up. There's a lot on your plate, man. Right. You're you're going for it, and you've got a big event coming up next month. It is the annual event for the F- Florida Family Policy Council, and you've got a special guest from the Babylon Bee coming in. So bring us up to date on that.
0: Yeah, we're very excited on Saturday, May 14th, here in Orlando, at the Rosen Center Hotel. And we have our annual policy awards dinner. Uh, Seth Dillon, who is the CEO of Babylon B, is going to be uh, our keynote speaker. Uh, Marco Rubio, U.S. senator, has just agreed to come and address us and give us an update. He'll be there personally? Yeah, he'll be there personally. Wow. And then also the state senator, Aaron Bean, who's been serving in the legislature for many, many years, is going to be our MC. We're very excited about the event. It's going to be different. It's going to be a lot of fun. I've heard Seth Dillon and he's hilarious. (laughs) Uh, He's very serious, but he's also hilarious. And so it's going to be a fun time, just kind of a different genre than we're normally the intensity that we normally have at our, at our dinners. But
1: now, now the Babylon Bee, I've kept up with it for years. Some of the funniest, well, I, I think I could actually boil it down to the funniest one that I ever saw. It's a satirical site, kind of not unlike the Onion, a, a Christian version of that. They deal with things that a lot of church people would deal with, but it, but it was the shocking story that they had about the worship leader who had to have the jaws of life. Uh, extract him from his <laughs> skinny jeans. I, <laughs> oh my gosh. That was one of the funniest pieces I've ever read in my life. I couldn't believe it.
0: Well, it's satire, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's humor and it's sarcasm and it's used to make a point. Yeah. And it's actually making some people upset because folks may not know this, but actually the Babylon Bee was just canceled from Twitter. Um, I think it was USA Today or someone had proclaimed this latest transgender appointment uh, who's actually a man acting out as a woman uh, to be the 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 woman of the year? Yeah. And so as satire, um, the Babylon Bee came back and named that person the man of the year. And so Twitter banned them and said, "We'll let you come back on if you just remove the tweet." And they said, "No, that's accurate. He is the man, and we're making him the man of the year." And so as a result of that, they were banned from Twitter. So it's interesting how even comedy and satire and just cartoons and, and making fun of things now that are obviously not true uh, are are not politically correct and, and the, the left is trying to shut that down.
1: And, you know, they're using these extreme measures of not only saying you're banned from doing it, but you're banned permanently. You know, you're never allowed back. I mean, President Trump's
0: uh, Twitter account is still closed down. Yep. I mean, there's been several people that have been a ban from Twitter. Oh yeah. So it's fascinating to see Elon Musk come around. Um, and he actually, he was, he was interviewed for about an hour and a half by the Babylon Bee. So they have a relationship. Um, not that they agree on everything. He's definitely a humanist, but he's smart. He's very smart mm-hmm. and we can learn some things from him. Um, and so uh, it, it was my understanding that he actually called the Babylon Bee before he made the offers for Twitter and said, did, did the Twitter actually ban you guys? And they said, yeah. And so it's history now knows he made the initial offer and bought the stock and then initially made the $48 billion offer to purchase the whole company. Mm -hmm. And it looks like that went haywire because of a poison pill they put into the, the deal. But it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. As we were saying before, uh, Elon Musk is not a guy that shoots by the hip. He has no, a plan. He's probably no. 20 steps ahead of everybody else. Yeah, So it'd be interesting to see what happens with all that. And the, the,
1: that would be like, you know, a little, maybe a little less than 10% of his investment to buy that company and pay 54 billion. And folks, that's billion with a B <laughs> just think of the Babylon B right there. <laughs> right. It's a billion with a B and for him to be able to lose fifty four billion dollars now, number one, I thought he, it was
0: forty eight. Was it fifty four?
1: I think it was fifty four. Hey, what's
0: six billion <laughs> in that category, right? <laughs> I believe it was fifty four. Wow, okay. I think
1: you know you, you may be right. You think about that, and that is more money than what we can get our brain around. Really, I, I can't imagine it, and and it's only until you. Uh, You take examples of like, if a person spent a thousand dollars every hour, how how long would it take him to, you know, to rack up that? And it would be years, you know, it's like unbelievable. You couldn't do it. I don't think a person could spend that much money in normal life. I just don't, I, I, I wouldn't think not without going and buying crazy, crazy things, but all the point being. He's got the ability to do that. And yeah, he's not an idiot. He's not somebody that is not thinking through. And he even claimed to have a plan B. So it will be interesting to see what happens with
0: that. So anyway, Seth Dillon um, is just a phenomenal guy. He's on the cutting edge of a lot that's going on in the culture. The Babylon Bee is becoming more and more popular, even though it's being censored by social media. And so we're pleased to have him as our keynote speaker.
1: What do you anticipate uh, his talk will be that So night? what
0: he does is he takes a lot of photographs and images of some of the things that they've done. Some of the stuff that they did was actually satire, and it came true. Like stuff that was so outrageous, they thought, <laughs> surely this is not going to And then they sh- he shows how it actually came true.
1: Oh, my goodness. Uh, so
0: it's it's a fascinating presentation that he does, and it's actually very educational and funny as, as well.
1: Well, to that point... The guy that won, the guy that was now claiming to be, a, a, a he's serving as a woman, uh, uh, serving as a woman, he's swimming as a woman, <laughs> but he's not a woman. He's still a man. And even on the, uh, kind of like the metal stand when they're all standing there, it doesn't that look crazy to you? I mean, it's, this guy is clearly a, a biological male and he's happy that he won the race against females.
0: Yeah. And it, well, it, two it, two separate guys. One of those one is an appointment by by Biden. That's the one that the Babylon Bee commented right, on. Right, right, But there's also uh, the man that won the national swim competition over right. the young lady at Sarasota, who actually physically won as the best woman.
1: Yeah, and and, and that's that's the point I'm making is that it, it is so insanely incredulous that it looks like satire, but happening in real life. And oh, by the way, we're being told to believe. That this is the way it really is,
0: and I love the fact that Governor DeSantis did a whole press conference, just basically recognizing that Floridian from yeah. uh, Sarasota as being the actual winner, and doing a proclamation uh, because uh, of the fact that the you know the sports leagues are allowing this man to compete against her, and clearly he he won when he shouldn't have won. He's not he's not a biological woman, and because of his strength and his speed, he was able to beat her. Uh, but it was great that the governor at least recognized that and did a proclamation.
1: E- Even though it's ceremonial and yeah. it is it is yeah. that, it's not going to change anything. It's meaningful. Because it, uh, another part of the incred- incredible, incredible in the right sense of that word, incredible activities going on, ESPN, uh, NCAA, all of the sports things that people have watched for years, uh, NCAA is sanctioning now all of this, and they're putting their stamp of blessing upon it. Yeah. And in so doing, are they not going to kill women's
0: sports? That's exactly correct. Um, This transgender stuff will absolutely destroy women's sports. A young lady, there's no way a young lady is going to spend hours and hours, literally years, thousands and thousands of hours training, discipline, and all that goes into swimming, running, shooting basketballs, whatever it is. If they know that a guy is going to come and beat them out in their competition, there's just no way it's going to put just a wet rag over the motivation of young ladies who really want to seriously compete. It's it's, probably already
1: done that to a great degree. The damage I'm talking about.
0: Absolutely. And, and and young ladies now I'm sure are being, and it's hard to know because you can't regulate that. You don't see the young ladies who are actually not getting involved because they're concerned about all of this. Um, But it's just unfair. Everybody knows it's common sense. The collective wisdom, human history men are stronger. They're faster, greater bone density. Their lung capacity is greater. And so because of all that, that's why we have Title IX. That's why we separate men and women's sports, right? So women could have sports. And it has to mean something to be a woman. The sad part about this, Mike, is the feminists ought to be standing up and posing this stuff. But they're and they're not. saying nothing. They're co-belligerents mm-hmm. with the transgender movement. Um, and being a woman actually means something. And thank God for people standing up. You know, it's interesting this day, things are so crazy. We're finding co belligerents in interesting places. J.K. Rowling now is speaking up against yeah. transgenders. And, and she's
1: almost gotten shut down on a lot well, of Well, that's
0: things. exactly right. And she's a rock star in, in the cultural, literal, uh, in the literature world. So it's really interesting that we're seeing people stand up that we don't agree with everything, but we agree some things. And so that's a, we need to be able to, to have that kind of thought process in order to come to a consensus on some of these crazy issues.
1: You know, when things are so upside down like this, John, uh, do you see a day that any of these things could be righted, could be made right?
0: I do. I do. I think th- I think that the, uh, the pendulum is swinging so fast and so far to the left. And we're going to see it at the ballot box uh, in November 1st, as we did in Virginia and in school board races around the country. I think there's going to be pushback mm-hmm. uh, because I think that they've gone too far, too fast, these these, uh, adv- these uh, so-called transgender agenda things are not because we found some new study no. that appeared in peer-reviewed research and refereed journals. It's because of the intimidation and the radicalness of the left. And even those who are intellectually honest, looking at the kind of transformations and whatnot, they're seeing they don't produce human flourishing. They produce depression, suicide, exponentially higher rates of suicide and depression amongst transgenders who have taken hormone therapy, uh, transgender surgeries, mastectomies, removing their private parts. It's just really very sad. They'll never know really what it means to undergo a, a sexual experience the way God has intended it. That's that, the really sad part.
1: That's right. In a um, real sense, they're they're victims of mutilation at that right. point. It, it's, right. it's sad. It, it's incredibly so, so sad. So to
0: your question, I think there is going to be a pushback, I think, because it's happening so fast. And you're going to see it at the ballot box, because that's where people get to say, hey, we have a say here right now the the means of power and communication are with the media and with the schools and the government. But at the ballot box, that's where you really see the equalization come back. And eventually, I think politicians will respond if they see this huge backlash from the public.
1: Well, it's one thing, John, for politicians to have that kind of Control and that kind of maybe even if it is for a short period of time, they're out there pushing these crazy agendas and narratives. And the, yeah, the, the, that day is coming if it's going to be a fair election. But there were many who would believe that, first of all, looking only at the politicians, that, that the, the last election in 2020 was anything but fair and anything but lacking. Uh, evidence is a fraud. Would you agree with that?
0: Well, I think that there's this time around, there's going to be a lot of safeguards. People are going to be watching the polls, poll watching at an exponential rate. We don't have the whole COVID issue now, so we don't have the, oh, you can't come this close to look at the ballots like they did in
1: mm-hmm. Pennsylvania.
0: So I think I think there's going to be a whole other level of oversight. There's laws being passed in Florida and other states at both a state level and then at a federal level as well. So I think that election integrity is on everybody's mind and I think you're going to see a different dynamic this time. I don't think you're going to see, you're going to see much more oversight, much more awareness and people actually watching at a microscopic level, everything that's going on.
1: Well, the real test of that was the Virginia election Yeah, exactly. and, and that one held up. And I, I have to confess to say that I was very surprised that it held up. I, I really didn't expect it. I thought it was going to be 2020 redo and by God's grace, it wasn't. So we've got some hope for that. But then there's this other side. That's, again, the politician side. You've got this narrative being carried in major ways by the United States news media and the entertainment business and all of that. Uh, You know, is there going to be any way that that could be ever tempered and brought back into any sense of semblance of reality?
0: Well, the two big institutions that are polluting our children's minds and hearts our public education and the media. And I say media in the broadest of senses, Mm -hmm. everything from music to movies, to Hollywood, to social media, to all that. Uh, And so I think that, you know, we can compete with the private. We're competing with school choice now. On one hand, we're competing with just the fact that we have social media. We can now speak for ourselves. We don't have just three channels anymore. We have hundreds of channels of cable TV. So there are many ways that conservatives can now speak. Um, but in terms of tempering that, it, it's very hard because the entire corporate America has bought into this nonsense. Yeah, that's and, right. Um, not
1: not even just media, right. corporate America. The,
0: the the uniqueness, and we can talk about Disney. I think at this point is that Disney has gone all out. Never has a corporation ever. Even the most aggressive corporations like Starbucks, and you know some of the banks and different groups like uh, Macy's mm-hmm. and whatnot, they have supported our opponents and the LGBT movement and whatnot with briefs and money and whatnot. But Disney has become an affirmative political activist at the highest level. They're opposing government. They're opposing laws that have been passed legitimately by the legislature and they're threatening to unseat. So they're actually becoming like a a political agent. And what's sad about this, Mike is that institutions like the boy Scouts and like Disney, they used to be neutral cultural zones, right? Mm -hmm. Institutions where everybody could drop, your politics and drop whatever it was that you had personally. And you could just enjoy together an experience of being a boy scout or going to Disney. Now that's not the case. They have infused politics and ideology at a very high level. Uh, And so Disney is about to get spanked in a major way because they have basically publicly opposed. They've pulled money from legislators that they've given it to. Uh, They're, they're threatening all kinds of political sanctions if the legislature uh, interprets any more laws or passes any more laws that they consider to be anti LGBT. Um, And so they're basically even going into Texas. So they're basically declaring war on families and parents rights to be able to educate their children and to not have them be indoctrinated. Right. So this is the very audience that they're trying to actually capture with their movies and entertainment. So um, what's happened is that, and I think I was the first one to even tweet out, look, Disney, if you want to do that, we can play hardball because back in 1958, 59 Florida passed unique laws back when Walt came here Yeah, to, to allow make it all Disney happen. to almost be its own. They're almost like their own sovereign yeah, county. Right. So they operate separately with their own fire department, their with own the Reedy police Creek development. Yep. And so uh, there's serious talk now about running a bill uh, to basically pull that charter with Disney and put them on the same level as SeaWorld and Universal Studios and every other theme park. We did that at the time because Walt was doing an unprecedented thing. We wanted to help him. Uh, We knew it was going to bring growth to Florida and make it a tourist attraction worldwide. But now I think things have changed because of their attitude, because they want to be an opponent. Uh, I think that they need to be put on a level playing field. And the state of Florida will get literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of tax revenue, Mm -hmm. if not millions, because of that. The the rate that I saw was something like $600 million in tax revenue will be generated if that agreement with Disney is pulled. So there's a lot of reasons why I think we're going to see that. um, And it'd be interesting to see how Disney does that. Because right now, Representative Randy Fine has said he's going to run a bill to prohibit uh, transgender surgeries for minors, prohibit uh, those kinds of procedures, which are very, very harmful to a young person that doesn't even know what they want for breakfast, Right. right? and they're just confused, instead of giving them counseling, schools are actually participating, without parents' knowledge, giving them hormone therapy, puberty blockers, and whatnot, and even counseling them to get uh, removal of body parts and undergo sex reassignment surgeries. Uh, and this is happening. It's happening in real time. People are denying it, but it's actually happening. It's and actually you, you happening. You can look out there yeah. and see where it's going on in Florida and in other places. So there's a bill going to come up like that. Now, according to what Disney said, they're going to fight and oppose a bill like that. So at the same time, there'll be a bill being considered whether Disney should lose its special charter with the state. So it's going to be interesting. It kind of puts them in checkmate because they're going to have to oppose something on one hand, which will actually fuel the bill to uh, have their charter provoked. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens within the future. Somebody asked me, is there a boycott against Disney? I said, look, guys, unfortunately, it's an all out war with Disney right now.
1: Yeah, it's beyond boycott right now. And so we've got to realize that that uh, law that they took issue with, that uh, the parental rights law really only affected kids up to third grade. And all they did there was saying that you cannot you cannot be teaching all of this to those that are younger than third grade. And it's not like it was the Communist Manifesto or anything at all like that. Disney is fighting. Basically, like you said, they're taking on parents, and uh, I don't think this is going to end well. One person told me they thought that Walt would be not just uh, turning in his grave, but spinning round and round. It's just, it's it's a horrible thing that we're talking about. And I wish it weren't that way, but that seems to be the way it is. I've got John Stenberger in the studio. We'll be back with John in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Back again for segment two with my friend John Stenberger. You know, this whole thing, John, that we've been talking about Disney in particular, uh, you and I both have mutual friends that have had high positions in, uh, in in the management structure and in the animation departments back in the day uh, that we love and they love the Lord and had wonderful careers working for what at the time we all felt was a wonderful place to work, and I mean i've my kids have grown up going to Disney. we took them to Disney, yeah, but I'll be honest with you, I have no intentions on personally going back, but just because I'm not doing that, that doesn't mean that I think that all of my friends who still work at Disney are somehow uh complicit with everything that the upper management and the owners are saying. We know that's not true,
0: and and that's the sad part about it is there are literally hundreds and thousands of employees that don't agree with what Disney's doing. They're not all waving the rainbow flag and in this woke campaign, and they can't say anything because they know from the chairman of the board on down, the hierarchy are driving the show, and so that's that's unfortunate for those folks, and they really have to a, a dilemma, because they have to continue to live with live under this in silence or figure out another way to transfer somewhere else.
1: Now, I know that uh, it was not just a an idle threat that was brought up by the governor about this whole thing about the charter that Disney was given. Uh, if that were to be the case, that would really put a a financial pinch to the company, would it not? Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question. They have enormous uh, benefits, and almost like their own little county. Mm-hmm. Uh, immunity of various sorts. They have their own fire, their own utilities, and all that would go away, and they would have to come under Orange County in some way, or maybe Osceola County for some a celebration. And so uh, this is a real idea. It's not pie in the sky. I know the legislators that are drafting the bills now, so they're preparing for this now. Uh, and it, it's gonna put Disney in a very interesting spot because are they gonna continue to wage war against us who are trying to fight for parents' rights and fight to protect children, their minds and hearts, from these horrible things that are going on by the LGBT movement.
1: You know, there's that old saying, John, that says you need to pick your battles. You need to really learn how to pick what fight you're going to fight. And doesn't it seem like this was a crazy one for Disney to pick to fight?
0: Well, what it was, it wasn't really their fight. It was from external forces uh, where the LGBT movement said, hey, why aren't you involved? Why aren't you supporting us here? And they kept intimidating them, intimidating them, and they just were proud and arrogant and they didn't want to back down and so they kept pushing in and the, the you know the the chairman of the board is an open openly gay woman she's lesbian and so she's driving this she's an activist as well so she's driving this the CEO has to he mm-hmm. reports to the board yeah. right they hire him fire him so he has to salute and do what they want to do so this is coming from the highest levels of the board of Disney and it is very unfortunate because they could destroy or seriously damage their own company and, you know, I mean, you know, when I think about the old movies. I love Disney. I mean, we all the beautiful old movies from Snow White. I mean, that's a beautiful tradition, but this is more important than that. Much more important. And we have to understand that we have to put uh, we have to put truth before tradition and we have to put character before culture. And so that's what we're doing by saying we're done with mm-hmm. Disney and we have to make that clear publicly.
1: Oh, my goodness. It's hard to say that but I'm I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I'm I'm rather a simple guy John and here here's something that just boggles my mind why the news media allows this one to go for all the talk about Uh, wanting to have care and kind of in the name of compassion for people who might be confused and have some questions about sexuality, their gender and all of this. uh, Why, if that is the case, if that were to be the case, and there's literal, real confusion, let's say, in the hearts of these people, are we not doing everything then to create that same kind of confusion by teaching young people when they're too young to even know any of this or be aware of any of this. that That is the most backwards thing that I've ever heard in my life. They're creating confusion.
0: That's right. I mean, these are little kids you're talking about, right? I mean, they ought to be focused on education, not indoctrination. And instead of focusing on reading and math and just the basics, they're trying to turn them into little activists. Mm-hmm. They're liberal, woke activists. And it's just insane. That's not what schools are intended to be. Uh, and we have to distinguish... You know, in colleges, that's where you have the free exchange of ideas. That's where you let it all hang out and let the young person then, 18 and above, make their own decisions and sort out the ideas. We don't do that with little kids. The government has a compelling interest and a very strong interest in protecting the minds and hearts of little children. Mm -hmm. And So when we're taking critical race theory out of of the law, when we're taking transgender promotion and sexual orientation, gender identity promotion, that's what we're doing. We're saying this is a neutral battlefield. You're not going to indoctrinate little kids. Right. Right. Uh, so that's what we're talking about. And it's completely fair. It makes total sense. And it's insane that the LGBT radicals are trying to convince us that, oh, it's about don't say gay. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with making sure we have appropriate instruction for little children in schools.
1: And speaking of that, uh, talking about the governor and what he's just turned into a champion and is, you know, you know, he's doing something right when he's being lampooned on on social media, as well as. Uh, TV shows like Saturday Night Live and all of that. I mean, he, he's, he's making a lot of waves right now. And he just did that this week again on the whole textbook issue, right?
0: Yep. So in this past legislature, there was a law passed uh, to basically ban the teaching of the principles of critical race theory. And they specifically listed them in the bill. It's things like you can't teach that members of one race are morally superior to another race very simple. You can't teach that a person by virtue of his race is inherently racist or impressive because critical race theory believes if you're white, you're inherently an oppressor. There's nothing you can do to get out of that. Goal. A person's moral character and status are privileged or oppressed just by virtue of their race. Mm -hmm. Right. So these are the concepts here. No one can disagree with these concepts. And so in the math textbooks, first of all, why do we need new math textbooks, Mike? Yeah. I mean, math is math. You could use the yeah. same math textbooks from years ago.
1: It hasn't changed or evolved.
0: A huge <laughs> group there. of new math textbooks yeah. came in and they said, wait a second. And they're literally trying to teach critical race theory and common core principles, which were also outlawed. Uh, and the governor said, no, we're not doing this. So the Department of Education said these certain number of textbooks are not approved. So they pulled them out and other textbooks are approved that are new. Why don't you know why we need new ones? But it's interesting to me, they didn't even try to put this in history books. They try to put it in math books, mm-hmm. which is so innocuous. Like that's not a place you'd expect to see some statement about race, right? But they're just doing this as a subtle way, again, to indoctrinate and influence kids in a discipline that has no relevance at all to race whatsoever. Math should be about math, mm-hmm. right? And so it's entirely appropriate what the, what the governor did and what Richard Corcoran did as commissioner of education. I applaud them for it. Uh, But they're being lampooned nationwide saying, oh, they're censoring textbooks, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing wrong with these textbooks. Well, there are something wrong with them, and that's why they pulled them.
1: Well, the reason they don't think there's anything wrong with them is they've lost their definition of what's wrong. They've lost the definition of what's right. right. Uh, You know, if you don't believe there's any gold standard of truth, then any, any old thing will go. And, you know, John, you going back to the issue of of, uh, transgendered and and homosexual and marriage and all of the things that you've been a champion for in Florida, uh, you were right. For and and against. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for for and against. That's right. For marriage, against (laughs) all of these other things. But you made a statement one time that was uh, amazingly accurate, and it was if... You can redefine marriage as being anything but p- between a man and a woman, then it opens up a door for just about any evil that can come out. And and you were exactly right. And it didn't take long for people to actually
0: be proposing things. Uh, purpo- I'm really glad you remember things. that because for five years, I said that hundreds of times to thousands and thousands of people on radio and live audiences. When you unlock the essence of what marriage is, Basically, you're destroying the what gender is as well. You're saying there's no inherent difference between men and women. And they're just, you know, Mr. Potato Head, you know, no difference. Wow. And so, um, yeah, that's what we've seen. And it's all because of the Obergefell decision. Those legal precedents have now led to the fact that legally at a federal level, there's no distinguishing between men and women. And so that gives the opening for transgenders to come in and say, oh yeah, it's the next step. And remember Mike, this was all about, oh, we just want to love our partner and be alone. Like the libertarian argument. We just want to just don't want the government involved with our life. We just want to live our lives privately and quietly. Well, it's not, it didn't stop there. Did it? No, it didn't. It's now we want you to agree with our agenda and celebrate. Otherwise we want to punish you. Yeah. And that's what it's turned out to be.
1: You know, I remember talking to a guy by the name of Jeff Perswell, brilliant guy. A friend, probably a common friend to us, and Jeff was talking about the whole thing about hum- humanism and why these people who are humanists uh, and and postmodern. Uh, basically, we're living in a a post-Christian even kind of culture right now. Why it is that they struggle so much with somebody who believes in the Bible, who believes in the Word of God and holds on to its teaching as having real value, It's it's not just a matter of disagreeing. And that's what Jeff told me that day. And from a theological standpoint, anyone who believes anything different to what they believe is a threat to them personally. So that's why it becomes much more personal. It becomes a threat. I become a threat. You, A church becomes a threat. That's right. Any, any establishment, individual or otherwise, that would believe in the Bible and would believe in the golden rule, would believe in the Ten Commandments, they are a threat. And that's exactly why they don't want to deal with it. They want to push us out. And again, I go back to the media. The media is complicit in that effort.
0: It's just amazing to me. It's very sad, but it's we're here to just, you know, say, hey, with compassion and with character and with humility, say, no, we're not going to we're not going to allow this under our watch. Not in a not in a country where we have a republic, where we have a democracy, where we can actually change the course of history. And so that's what we're all about.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, the pre- the uh, governor almost said president. The governor, (laughs) the president of the free nation of Florida. How about that? (laughs) That's not what he is. The governor of Florida has also made recent news by signing this new bill that was actually passed uh, the last time you were in the studio. You brought, you broke the news with us that day that it had actually been proposed and and brought out as a law. And the governor has now signed it, It goes into effect July 1, and it is going to have a massive impact uh, on uh, the issue of abortion in Florida, right?
0: It will save between four to 6,000 babies a year, Yeah, uh, according to ACA, the uh, Ag- Agency of Healthcare Administration, um, which is great. It, it is the same bill that was passed in Mississippi, which mm-hmm. is now an appeal to the United States Supreme Court, which is called the Dobbs case, Dobbs versus Reproductive Freedom. Um, that case will be decided sometime in June, actually late June, Um, and so uh, the bill prohibits abortions and protects unborn children after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, now the vast majority of abortions occur before then. Yes. And people say, why didn't you do a heartbeat bill? Why didn't you ban all abortions? Well, because if we did, right, then it would be immediately be enjoined and thrown out by the federal courts. If the U S Supreme court only upholds the 15 week bill, we don't know what they're going to do. We hope they're going to reverse Roe versus Wade. We've been working and praying all of our lives for that kind of a decision. But we don't know what they're going to do. They could do that. They also could just narrowly uphold the 15-week bill. If they narrowly uphold the 15-week bill, then we're right on track. We can come back then next year and do something different. But I think that um, the problem is if we did something like heartbeat and the court rules narrowly 15 weeks, then it gets thrown out. So all Mm -hmm. the work we just did is gone. Mm -hmm. It's it's held to be unconstitutional. So we're trying to follow the Supreme Court and make sure the laws that we do pass are constitutional. Now, they're, they'll try to challenge us under the state constitution. That's a whole other matter. But I hope they do challenge it because I think that it'll be ruled to be constitutional, even with our privacy clause in the state constitution. What are
1: your thoughts, John? I know the last time we talked about it, you were pretty sure that there could be a clean sweep in this Supreme Court case. That, in other words, they could actually not only uphold the Dodd, but throw out Roe v. Wade. Do you still feel that way?
0: You know, it's... It's really hard to say. I listened carefully to each of the justices' arguments, an oral argument, uh, and uh, it really did seem like they were pointing that way. But you never know until it happens, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, I I think we'd have 50-50 chance, at least, of a complete reversal of Roe. And now what that means for your listeners, that doesn't mean abortion's banned. It just means the matter goes to each state, and each state will make that determination. There are 13 states that have what's called trigger laws. And then as soon as Roe versus Wade is overturned, you automatically ban abortion in that state. Oklahoma
1: is one of them. Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: There are 18 states that have opposite trigger laws that if Roe is ever overturned, abortion rights are immediately codified and put into state statute. So we have 13 against, 18 for, and then you have some purple states like Florida that'll be regulating in between the lines somewhere in there. And so so we're going to have the future. We'll have abortion-free states and abortion-filled states. Um, we'll see surgical abortion, uh, I think begin to rapidly decline. And I think you see, unfortunately, chemical, chemical abortion yeah. rise, which yeah. is actually very, very sad because chemical abortions in many ways are more dangerous, uh, than surgical abortions because there's no supervision. It's not regulated at all. Yeah. yeah they're in their a own woman home. is basically yeah. sadly delivering a child in the toilet that is mm-hmm. dead, which is a very sad and grisly thing to think about with, uh, being alone and no one there. Uh, no medical staff, no physicians overseeing this. Um, if they take the first pill before they take the second pill, or they get the order wrong, things can go wrong. If they send them the pill for a pregnancy that is too far in, it could make them very, very sick and actually have huge complications. So there's a lot of uh, issues that need to be regulated, even with chemical abortions that we're going to have to deal with in the future.
1: And you know, you brought in Abby Johnson to speak to the pro-family days up in Tallahassee, and she almost died from from that experience. That's one of the things that made her know that this this is not just a, uh, uh, there's not like taking a couple of Tylenol here. I mean, this is some serious, serious ramifications in the life and could be fatal problems.
0: That's right. And folks want to see the movie Unplanned uh, that came out a couple of years ago. A Really a great, pro-life movie, really help you to understand what this issue is all about.
1: Well, these are big fights. And I, again, just have to go on record as well to say, thank you, Governor DeSantis, for what you've done. He's been a champion, really, for not only this issue on abortion, but for parents' rights and and being willing to stand up against a company as big and broad as what Disney is. Uh, he's, He's showing some gravitas there that He's not afraid to back down from a fight for what he believes in in his heart.
0: The press conference was like none I've ever seen. And I've seen press conferences with bill signings for five different governors, Republican governors, huge signs. Florida is pro-life. He had testimonies by women who were post-abortive and had had abortions. Um, It was a, a phenomenal time, a very emotional, very powerful time of people giving testimonies about their own personal stories. One mother whose child was severely injured and deformed uh, was given up for adoption. The child was actually disabled in a wheelchair. And uh, they're telling the story about how this mother raised this child when she actually survived an abortion. Uh, her head had had cuts into mm. it. Very sad, but it was just a powerful time. And I've never seen any governor orchestrate that kind of communication to the public to really show what, what the issue is really all about. It was really phenomenal.
1: Oh. Thankful for him. John Stimberger is my guest. We'll be back for one more segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. In the studio with me today is John Stimberger, longtime friend, and with with me here talking about some of these most important, uh, some of these incredibly delicate, when you think about our children, uh, how we care for them. We need to be careful as a nation. And it just seems to me, John, that our, our leaders at the government levels uh, in Washington are just as reckless as can be with what's being said, what's being put out as law, what's being modeled as normal. It's reckless right now. What's going on? Wouldn't you agree?
0: It's, it's madness what's happening. Uh, we're in a moral freefall. Uh, things that were unthinkable just a generation ago are not only thinkable, but they're being promoted as virtuous and there's penalties. If you don't celebrate with their understanding of what's virtuous. Yeah. So it's madness. And the pendulum is swinging so fast. I think we're definitely going to see pushback uh, in many, many ways. Um, And I hope that things moderate much more because we're losing our foundation. Mm -hmm. If you study uh, anthropology or sociology, the thing that makes a civilization a civilization, as opposed to a barbarian society is you have to have unifying elements. We've lost everything. We don't. We can't unify around God, saluting the American flag, saying the Pledge of Allegiance. We can't unify around family. Pro-family has become a buzzword for, in scare quotes, for like anti-gay. Well, being so like, like you said earlier, being white means being racist. It's crazy. So there's we lack unifying elements in our culture to even legitimize us as a civilization. Yeah. And that's so sad. But we have to be able to fight to get those things back. And so I'm praying that when the pendulum swings back, we can agree on some of these things that the declaration calls self-evident truths right we don't have to fight over the fact that we know families are the best arrangements for children right and we need to support them that kids shouldn't make decisions that mutilate their bodies right right until they're old enough to figure all that out and even then it's crazy uh but there's just some things that are happening they're absolute madness and we've got to protect children We've got to protect human life. And those two things, protecting children, protecting human life, they're non-negotiables. We Mm -hmm. have to fight with everything that we have. And this is going to be a fight. It's going to be a knife fight uh, like anything you've ever seen. Because when they start coming after your kids, uh, it's a whole other level of intensity. And that's why we're seeing these guerrilla moms all over the country right there are ticked off. And they're going after the school board races. And I think we're going to see a sea change in the election. And I think it's going to be an amazing thing.
1: Well, if there is that kind of a swing, if there's a red wave, if you will, in the uh, election this year, uh, it, it, will, it will force at least a different type of discussion in the media. Even if they're complicit, and they don't like it, and they refuse to report on some things, there will be some things they can't it just ignore right i mean they've got it right. they've got a report on
0: it yeah e- even if you t- just go into an odd space um there's a certain restaurant that has a bar and i'm listening to people and they're and these are people that are like howard stern guys right they're like oh yeah ron DeSantis, he's for freedom with between the covid policy and the transgender nonsense it's just madness and so mm-hmm. i think we're seeing the mushy middle people that are not political moms soccer moms engaging we're seeing just Joe lunch bucket come alive and say, I, I don't want whatever the Democrats are serving us. Right. I want these guys over here. And so I think that's going to be a part of it. Cause when you win those people in the middle, you've just won America mm-hmm. because those are the real decision makers. You have people on the right, people on the left, but people in the middle uh, are being activated and they're not being activated to the left. They're being activated toward common sense things that the Republicans and conservatives are saying, this is what we want to go.
1: Well, we need some uh, touch in our country without a doubt we are ill, and we think of the words of the Lord. Uh, he came to, to heal those that are sick, and that, would, that qualifies for America right now. So you've got a plan coming up this year, a tour, if you will, later this year, that uh, really is going to be addressing some very practical ways that we can
0: kind of tackle these problems, right? We have a 12-city tour we're going to do with pastors, and it's called Be Thou My Vision And what we want to do is present a vision for pastors in Florida as to what we believe Florida should be like. And we're really going to address in 12 different cities, a three areas. We're going to talk to pastors about how they can help parents in their church, educate their children, not educate for them, but help them to get off Mm -hmm. the ramp of public schools. If they want to have educational choice, there's so much money out there and so many opportunities. There are so many scholarships and ways that you can off ramp from a public school if you're in a bad school and you can put your kids in private school completely for free. Or or private school or homeschool your children. And so we want every parent to know what those options are. We want to empower the pastors to help them equip parents in their church. So we're gonna do presentations on that. Um we're gonna to talk to churches about the human aspect of the Dobbs case, because if Roe is overturned, Mike, the most obvious change will be the will. Yeah. Be- huge, huge number of abortion minded women who will not have access to abortion in their communities. And we need to be there for them to help them think it through, to help them think through parenting, to help them think through adoption with services, with real help, right? Because we're always being accused of, oh, you care about the baby, but not of the womb. That's baloney. Uh, these crisis pregnancy centers do all kinds of postnatal care, um, prenatal care, uh, and we there's going to be a huge demand. So we want every church in Florida to adopt a pregnancy center to fund them with their missions budget. Mm-hmm. And we want to challenge them to directly engage with one or more pregnancy center because that demand by those pregnancy centers are going to increase when all these women come on the scene. They're going to need more money. They're going to need board members. They're going to need more help and fundraising. They're going to need support and churches can do that.
1: You're talking about doing something that's like changing from the inside out. That's right. And, and that's really what we need in this. We need a heart change. You know, I, I was my privilege to be on the board for Choices. And that's one of the, uh, I think, one of the great They're amazing. Uh, companies, uh, you know, organizations uh, led by Vicki Matthews that is just doing a great job. But uh, we've talked about that in the fact that with this ruling, if it comes out, uh, and all of the uh, the emphasis is going to be thrust, and thank God it is going to be thrust, on the states where we can now, uh, states that, the, like you mentioned earlier, already have that trigger law, uh, states like uh, Governor DeSantis is leading here in Florida. We've got a big opportunity to reach people. But the thing I love about, even with choices, is that we know that a lot of people that come in that to talk to them, thinking that they can get an abortion through choices. Uh, and then they find out they are a pro-life place. Uh, and, and if they go ahead and choose to have that abortion elsewhere, either at Planned Parenthood or wherever, they still get care from choices. It's not an that's all right. or nothing. I mean, it's they're showing the love of Christ to these women in need. And that's what you're saying the church is going to
0: have to do. That's right. So uh, the education component is three parts to this tour of Be Thou My Vision with Pastors helping them understand the choices for education in Florida, helping them understand the need that's going to be created by the Dobbs case. Um, and then finally, we want to talk to them about our project called the Capitol Project, headed by our Director of Pastoral Ministries, Kevin Baird. We are taking, Mike, hundreds of pastors to the Capitol to simply do nothing but pray for legislators. Mm-hmm. And we, we are, our goal and our vision is to see a partnership between the, the shepherds of God's church with the shepherds of God's government. And you see all throughout the Scripture, where men of God are confronting, partnering with, communicating with, being perfect voices to the king, the civil magistrate, and the leaders of government. And so we want to do that on a local level. We want to do that at a state level. And so it's 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 amazing thing what's happening because the legislators know there. It's like the Holy Spirit is like in the halls of the Capitol because there's all these pastors walking around all throughout the session in Tallahassee. So it's amazing, and Kevin's doing a great job at leading this. We want to talk to them about doing that and to be, I think, I think pastors are very comfortable with being shepherds of the church and guardians of their church. That's their primary role. They're comfortable being the guardians of families, which they help create through baptisms, through Mm -hmm. funerals, through, you know, uh, different weddings, right? Uh, but they're not as comfortable with their role as the guardian of the civil magistrate, the third area of government, but they do have a role there. They have a role in scripture. They have a role in American history. We wouldn't be here without the black road regiment without pastors saying, Hey, pick up your guns. We're going to fight the British for our freedom. Mm -hmm. And so we're not asking pastors to pick up guns, right? And fight. We're just saying, Hey, tell your folks to vote, (laughs) right? Engage them. Right. It's, it's a very simple lift. That's That's not bloody, at least at this point. And so Yeah, we just want to. And so those are the three things we're going to do in the Be Thou My Vision Tour. We're very excited about it. We think it's going to be a really powerful effort to equip pastors to really help know what the future is going to hold for their families, for their churches, and for the society.
1: Now, you mentioned multiple cities in Florida. Can you name some of those cities where you're going to be? We don't
0: have them announced quite yet, but we'll be going literally all the way from Pensacola down to Miami. So within an hour, hour and a half, everybody in the state should be able to access this be my vision tour oh that sounds exciting our website at Mm flfamily.org sign up for email alerts and that's where you'll learn about the be Thou my vision tour in the fall
1: we've got just a little bit of time left uh, to spend the balance of this with your upcoming banquet and i know that it is uh it's not something that you have just instant funding it takes prayer it takes people's sacrifice to make uh, your council work. And I know that there's a lot to that. And this banquet is a big deal, right?
0: Yes. It's our annual policy awards dinner. We're actually going to recognize several members of the legislature who are a hundred percent votes with us. Um, senator Marco Rubio is going to be there live to give an update from Washington, DC. Um, senator Bean, who's a veteran Senator from Jacksonville is going to be our MC. Um, Seth Dillon, the CEO of Babylon mm-hmm. Bee is going to be our keynote speaker. We're very excited about him and all the things that's happening in the news with him. So if you've never been, it's an amazing dinner. Um, We do it once a year as a fundraiser, and folks can get tickets at flfamily.org. Sign up for emails just to get general information, but you can get your tickets or table sales at flfamily.org.
1: Now, with all that you do and all that you've done, you're also the guy that was the major impetus for the trail life ministry that's going on, and that thing is growing as well, right? Right.
0: Trail Life USA is amazing. Um, almost 40,000 kids in all 50 states, um, you know, adults and fathers and sons. It's just amazing. We have about 900 troops now. And it's just remarkable, Mike. And and what we call our dirty little secret is that while Trail Life was intended for the boys, it's actually a dad's ministry mm-hmm. because dads have a relationship with their sons they never thought they could have the dads get ministered to they have accountability with other men they don't have in any other context even in their church they go camping together they have tough conversations it's amazing we're seeing the men come alive yeah and of course that's always helpful to the family to the kingdom to the church and to the son as well
1: that's such a a picture from malachi when you think the hearts of the fathers being restored to their children and the the children to the father and so this is a day and age where it's never been needed more than right now i mean we're living in a crazy culture, all these things that we've talked about are, uh, are really uh, just on the front minds of everybody because we're hearing news headlines on a daily basis that really in a real way confront us and, and really, I think, offend the mind of a believer. You think, how can my country, how can this be America? Well, we, we've got to do something about that. And everything that you're talking about today in a real way addresses all of that especially this tour uh, calling for pastors to come together and pray and and lead our churches we need a revival don't we yes we do john stemberger it's always a joy to have you give us one more time your address how people can get in touch with you especially about the upcoming banquet
0: so our website for information on the pastor's tour to sign up for email alerts for information on the banquet is flfamily.org that's fl the abbreviation for florida family.org
1: John, thank you for being with me today. And friends, thanks for joining us as well. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.